Brian Taylor from Diamond Head, and you're listening to Sonic Perspective. Michael the Metal Angel Francisco speaking to the one and only Brian Tatler of Diamond Head, who is one of the innovators of what became the new wave of British heavy metal, speed metal sound. And it's an honor to talk to him about the brand new album, The Coffin Train. Is that Michael? Yes, it is. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for calling. Absolutely. Thanks for being willing to do a phone interview. I was surprised when Liz contacted me last week and said you were available for interviews. I'm like, oh, I'll sign up for that immediately. Yeah, the funny thing is, uh, just got back from seeing Overkill and uh, Death Angel last night. I wanted to get up first thing in the morning and, uh, you know, play your new album, make sure I was all completely versed in everything, The Coffin Train. And apparently we had a uh, power shortage and no electricity. And we just got oh, it. Oh, no. Yeah, we just got it back on like three minutes ago. So I'm going to have to go with all okay. my experience of when I played it a couple days ago. Obviously, I know everything up yeah. to the, up to the self-titled. And last time I saw you was when you guys played with uh, Ross the Boss. Oh, blimey, yeah. We did a couple of shows with Ross the Boss. Yes, yes. I sat down and talked to you a lot. You were uh, playing, I believe it was Indiana, maybe. And I think I saw you up there for that show. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I vaguely remember. Right. That's uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was, we've done quite a few tours of the U.S. in the past you know, six or seven years. So so we try and get over now a bit more regularly than what well, we never used to in the past. We never came over it at all right. in the 80s and 90s, which was a, a terrible mistake on our behalf. So without Metallica, yeah, I mean, a lot of people probably wouldn't have heard of Diamond Head, especially in America. Absolutely. I remember a number of years ago reading Dee Schneider's biography and him talking about how huge Motorhead and Diamond Head were in the UK. And then next thing you know, uh, Metallica is playing these club shows in the early 80s. And Biff Byford's like, those are all Diamond Head songs. They're like, shh, don't tell anybody. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. They used to play about four in a set. That's right. It's it's weird how it's all happened, isn't it? That... uh, you know, that band started out doing covers and yet have become the biggest metal band of all time. Exactly, Incredible. exactly. Yeah. They're, they're so big and so huge that, you know, yeah. I mean, everybody in the world knows them. And yet, yeah, they made their <laughs> made their living covering bands They've like this. They've sustained it as well, haven't they, for 30 years? Absolutely. Unbelievable. Absolutely. And still killing it, definitely. This is your this is your second album with your new vocalist, Rasmus, correct? Yes. Right. Correct. Yeah, and the self-title was just amazing comeback. Um, all us old school fans absolutely loved it, and were completely blown away. Thank you. But I remember uh, chatting with Rasmus the uh, three times I saw you, and uh, I know he was a huge Chris Cornell fan, and Chris Cornell had just passed. So, <laughs> yes. The more I the more I listen to the uh, the new Diamond Head. Uh, the more I notice that there seems to be a little bit of a like homage to Chris Cornell. Yeah. 
There is. I, I, I mean, it's one of Raz's main influences, uh, and he does sound a little bit like Chris at times, which is only a, a huge compliment. Right. Chris Cornell had one of the best rock voices in the world, and it, and it was a terrible shame that he, he went so soon. Uh, but there's a track on the new album called Shades of Black, right. which is written as a tribute to Chris. Uh, and and Raz said it was it was a way he could uh, grieve for the loss. Um, so he, he penned that lyric uh, as a tribute to Chris. Now, about six weeks ago, you guys uh, debuted the uh, lyric video for Belly of the Beast, which was just a monster of an opening track. Uh, and it kind of, you know, made people think, oh, my God, we're getting back to lightning from the nations and everything that was that was like deliberate to like, <laughs> kind of get people to realize that, you know, you can still hold your guns or. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's a, it's a great opening track. We when we wrote that, we thought this will be a, probably, the, you know, the, the lead track on the album. Um, and we haven't had a chance to play it live, but I'm absolutely sure it'll be it'll be good live because of the tempo. It, it's kind of a bit reminiscent of some of the older Diamond Head songs absolutely. like Helpless and The Prince. Exactly, uh, I was thinking that so too. So it does have that kind of energy from the early days. Absolutely. And then as the album progresses, you, you find that it's all over the map as far as like kind of like you said hard rock and homage to Chris Cornell but there's also you know some yeah. more you know which is interesting because your former vocalist uh, and th those mid those those albums from a number of years ago kind of had that kind of a rock vibe to them too do you find that Diamond yeah. Head sound is, is just just straight UK British hard rock heavy metal sound or uh, I think yeah that's the main influence on Diamond Head uh, the band formed in 76, so I grew up listening to all the classic 70s bands, a lot of British bands like Zeppelin yeah. and Purple and Sabbath and, and uh, you know, those bands, UFO. And uh, and so that, he's, that is in my DNA, that style of writing. And all the songs always start with a guitar riff and then we build from there. Uh, I'd say there's a few more mood changes on this new album compared to the last one. Uh, but it's still very guitar riff orientated. There's lots of solos. It's, I think it's, you know, sonically, it's a better sounding album than the last one. We, uh, we loved the last album, but we knew we could take it further. Uh, and we, we decided to, uh, let Raz become the producer because he was hungry to produce the album. And also, we wanted to get a better drum sound, so we went to a different studio this time, uh, the more live feel, to get a bigger drum sound. Okay, that makes sense. And it's the same lineup. Yeah. It's the same lineup from this album and the self-titled, so I guess you guys are gelling, having played live together and having worked together, that you guys know what kind of songs you want to write this time. Yes, we... Um, the only change is we've got a different bass player now. Okay. Uh, our last guy, Eddie, decided he'd had enough of being on the road. Okay. Uh, and he'd been with us since 91, so he, he quit the band in 2016, and we did some auditions here in the Midlands and picked this guy called Dean Ashton, whose style really, really suits Diamond Head. He plays with a pick, and as soon as I heard him play, I just it just reminded me of our original bass player, Colin, and that kind of punk attitude that we had. And I and he's such a good musician and such a good player that he fitted right in and helped 
you know, p- provide quite a lot of power and drive to the band live and the new songs. That's awesome. And the progression of Diamond Head, like you say, 76, we're talking over 40 years. When you originally had Sean Harris as a vocalist, clearly you could hear the David Coverdale and Robert Plant type singing style that he emulated. And then when you had your other vocalist, yeah. he definitely brought more of the, the late 80s kind of heavy metal British UK singers. UFO would be a perfect example of that one. Um, you know, and then now yeah. and now with, with Rasmus, it's because of his younger age, because isn't he the youngest member in the band? Uh, um, I think Dean's the youngest. Ross was born in '84, okay. and and I think Dean was born in '86. So Dean's about 33. So Dean's probably the youngest. So okay. there's a good 20 years or so difference <laughs> between Ross, Dean, and then the rest of us, myself, Carl, and Abs. Right. Exactly. So they're bringing what they grew up on, which was the late '80s, early '90s. <laughs> Uh, whether it be yeah. whether it be European or American style of music into it, which is interesting because now you've got this perfect, you've, you've got this perfect uh, with all the different ingredients. You got this perfect recipe of like heavy metal in the UK as it stands today, with strong American influences, but also great UK influences, which is interesting because when people yes. hear di- when people. When people hear Diamond Head, they instantly think Lightning to the Nations or one of my favorites, Canterbury, or some of the other stuff. And they're just like, they're not ready. A lot of us older people aren't ready to embrace where you're going. But when I heard Rasmus sing the old stuff live as well as the newer material, he just he just embraces it so well. As like I think he sounds better than Sean Harris on some of the older tracks. Yeah. So where exactly did I you... I think he's a fantastic singer, yeah. He, he, I was lucky to find him. He's, he's a world-class vocalist and... Uh, such a talented guy. He's a bit like a chameleon. He can fit in to uh, whatever's required, and uh, he's got such a, a powerful voice that uh, you know he, he can he can easily sing the old songs, but he can also add a lot of energy to the new songs. Now, where did you find him? Did how did how did he get in? I'm not familiar how he actually got into the band. How did you find him? Yeah. Uh, we were looking for a singer and our bass player said he knew of a singer who, uh, or he knew of a, f- a friend who could sing, and, and they recommended this singer. This was a, a girl singer, and she said, well, I went to uni in London, uh, and I know this guy who can sing, and we got his phone number and sent him a, a backing track, and he sang on top of it and sent it back, and I thought it was fantastic. So we got him up to the Midlands for an audition, and uh, that was it. And uh, he, he was given the job sort of during the tour. We went out on tour uh, just to, tr- you know, we had dates we needed to fill, fulfill. And then during the tour, we thought, yes, he's great. Let's offer him the job. And we did. So that that's 2014. So, wow, he's been in the band five years now. That's amazing. He has, yeah. Just coming up to five, well, five years now, yeah, because we first saw him about April 2014, and his first gig was July 2014. So, And he's done two albums already, so, yeah, he's definitely uh, the man. Now, is he the, is he the main lyricist for the newer material? Entirely. He writes all the lyrics. I don't do lyrics. I've never done lyrics. All I will ever do is kind of throw in an idea or maybe a song title or something. But now I, I leave lyrics up. I think it's better if, if the singer writes his own lyrics. 
in my opinion, I think they can be more personal and they can put more of themselves into the song. So you, you never contributed any of the lyrics even back in the glory days? They were always Sean Harris writing the lyrics no. for the... It was always Sean, and then it was Nick, and now it's Russ. Okay. <laughs> and I, that's the way I like it. <laughs> that's cool, that's cool. Uh-huh. And you, you're the riff master that, you know, came up with some of those. I'll, I'll never forget yeah. when I was very young, and uh, even before Metallica, when I first heard Am I Evil, and now let me ask you this. Did you borrow from Holst, Planets? <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh, of course. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you've got to, haven't you? It's such a great piece of music, and I just thought it would make a fantastic intro to that song. We already had most of the song, and I, I just had a bright idea one day, and I thought, oh, I know what we could do. We could, we could put the intro from from Mars, the Planet Suite, uh, onto the front end of the song. You know, so I worked out I'd play it. Uh, we changed the rhythm a little bit. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's definitely from uh, the Planet Suite, okay. and a couple of other bands have done a similar thing as well. It's of course, such a, a great dramatic piece of music. Yeah, classical music always it, it always goes back to it. I mean, Sabotage is a perfect example of clearly borrowing from Hall of the Mountain King. Wolf uh, Wolf from Accept yes. is a big fan of classical music. He put out a heavy metal classical album, so yeah, it's always very important. Yeah. But I mean, when I first heard and, I... and Richie Blackmore, of course, Richie Blackmore was a big fan of classical, wasn't he? You could hear it in Rainbow, absolutely, and, uh, bits of purple, you know. Uh, definitely deep purple and definitely yeah i was, I was just gonna say richie yeah. Bla- i was gonna say richie blackmore as well but when i first heard uh am yeah. I, when i first heard am i evil as a kid i just i had heard nothing like that and then just that heavy heavy what what made you go with that aggressive sound that early on i mean before there was even a term of new wave of british heavy metal you guys were playing very fast i mean obviously there was motorhead and there was saxon uh and even raven were doing it but, I mean, what made you guys make the decision to go that aggressive back in that day? At the time, I hadn't heard Raven or Saxon. Like, Am I was written in 1979, so mm-hmm. my references would have been things like, yes, Motorhead, but Judas Priest okay. with, you know, Exciter yeah. and The Sinner. And then punk rock had happened big in, in the UK in 1977. So I was listening to things like The Damned, and uh, the, a lot of the a lot of the punk bands played very fast, and and I liked that simple, you know, simple riffs and and powerful fast drumming. Uh, so I was kind of borrowing from the classic seventies bands, but also having some of the energy from the from the punk rock scene that I used to listen to. You know, the radio, like the, the, this awesome DJ called John Peel who's no longer with us, who used to play punk rock on the, on Radio 1. And I would listen to this and tape it, and I got into punk. Uh, so I, 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 it was a bit of a cross between the two for me, um, Diamond Head. It, it maybe may uh, borrowed from, from both styles, you know, punk and, and classic rock. So you, you integrated the styles of the music you enjoyed the most, which was the UK heavy metal of that era, and also what was be burgeoning to become the punk crossover scene with bands like the Sex Pistols. Yeah. You mentioned the Damned, uh, obviously more right. more aggressive stuff like Discharge. But also, I mean, for me, uh, I didn't want to be in a punk band, but I also wanted to play fast songs live because we were playing to to 
audiences who didn't know any of our music. And so we soon realised that if you play fast songs, it, it goes down better uh, and you could win them over quicker than if you try and play some long, slow song that you think's great, but nobody knows it and they can't headbang to it or move to it. So we, we quickly developed this set of fast songs and uh, that's what we became known for. Well, yeah, especially with the late 70s with bands like Yes and ELP and stuff, people were kind of getting sick of that prog, long, you know, dura- yeah, songs of yeah. duration. Which Same with Iron Maiden. They wanted Iron Maiden to become a punk band, and Steve Harris didn't want to be punk, so he got a punk rock singer, and that's why you have Iron Maiden Killers, yeah. which have that aggression as well. So now moving on to... Yeah, those first two Maiden albums have a bit of punk about them, and, uh, you know, Paul Diano's voice, he could easily have been in a punk band, uh, uh, but I like... I like that energy, that that raw vibe. Absolutely, and yeah, and next to Metallica, Iron Maiden are probably the next, and they obviously preceded Metallica. So now moving on to the Coffin yeah. Train, what was what were you thinking of as far as going in and writing, as far as like music? What was like your newer influence, or what did you decide to do as far as writing the newer songs? Uh, I still it, most of the songs start in the same way, and I normally come up with a guitar riff. And then I, I make a demo here at home. I've got a Pro Tools LE uh, rig. And I, I make a demo. I spend ages trying to get it to flow and sound like one complete piece of music. Then when I've done in, you know a, enough material, uh, I will give all that to Raz. Then we'll work out which songs we think are, are the most suitable for Diamond Head and the ones that he can sing on, the ones he likes best. So we'll dismiss quite a lot of stuff uh, and just work on, you know, a dozen tracks maybe. And and then this time I would go down to Raz's home studio in, in London and we'd sit, he plays guitar as well, and we'd sit and we'd work on the songs. And sometimes he'd say, this song is great, but it doesn't have a chorus. Uh, and we'd, we'd try and rewrite the song or a chorus or add to it. Uh, and we, I did that for about six months. I, I went up and down to London, and we we worked on the songs at his place and made new demos. And then that was all before we even went into rehearsal with the band. Uh, and then and we went over the material again to try and get it to work as a live band, and, and then add to it, and and uh, you know adjust tempos and just perfect. The, the tracks really until they're ready to to go into the studio. So, what are your what are some of your famous favorite new songs that you've written? I, 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 my favorite song on the new album is the Coffin Train, the title track. I just I, I'm always been a fan of, of of songs with dynamics, with light and shade. I'm always trying to get light and shade into the band. I have a section where you take the drums out or, or take the bass out or something. And I mean, it starts with a clean guitar and then it builds. Uh, builds up to a huge riff in the chorus and then the whole end section is like another another level where it goes up and uh, it's dramatic. Uh, I, I love songs that do that. So for me, the coffin train ticks all the boxes for me and I think it's one of the best things I've ever done. Yeah, it's my favorite song on the new album as well. But I have to ask you, Thank you. what is a coffin train? <laughs> Uh, well, it's something. Um, it's Raz's title. Raz came up with the title, and we and uh, 
he wrote that lyric and then we we looked at all the titles we had and we thought well that's the strongest title for a, an album cover you know we could have a train on it we could you know Russ said the idea came to him as a nightmare like a dream and he could, he could picture a train coming towards him with and the, the carriages are all like giant coffins with bodies in and things like that so he had this just strange dream and we thought well, it's, a, it's a, such a strong image so you know we made sketches and 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 sent ideas to uh, an artist and uh, uh, they went out and took photos of trains and and the, you know, the artwork built up over time and uh, it's a great cover i'm really pleased with the cover i think it's probably the best cover diamond Ed's ever had with the possible exception of borrowed time so for a long long time anyway yeah i was gonna say wait a minute borrowed time's a great album cover but no i agree and yeah. i and well, i mean it, it's out of them too it's out of borrowed time or coffin train you know yeah but for now i think i mean i don't think borrowed time would be right for now right but i think coffin train's right for now and borrowed time was great for 1982 absolutely absolutely i totally agree and i still like canterbury whether it's the goofy album cover but i still love the the, the <laughs> i love the way you guys you went still like it. it's got some good songs on it yeah it was just it's, it's it, very well produced it was just so different from everybody was expecting you guys to go one way and then you get one a totally different way and talk about classical influences i just think that was like you're like yeah we don't care what you say we're going to do this and we're going to show you that we can still play great music and still put out a great album it may not be <laughs> It might not be aggressive and thrash. It's very brave. Yes, it's a exactly. Brave album it's to, like to bring out in 1983. It's like Kiss the Elder or any of the other bands who tried to, or I guess Judas Priest, Nostradamus, in, in modern aspects. Um, all right, Brian. So if you were to pick, we always like you to pick a song uh, that we can play from the end of the interview for fans to hear since the album comes out in two weeks. What song would you recommend that the fans hear? Would it be Coffin Train or would there be another one? Uh, I, I'm going to say The Messenger, tra- okay. which is track two, because people have already heard Belly uh, of the Beast right. from the video. So let's go with The Messenger and we'll save the coffin train for when they get the actual album. That's fair enough. Yeah, a little, yeah that's good. Cool. <laughs> Same logic. That, amen. <laughs> I totally agree. And that's interesting you told me that coffin train, because I've never heard that. I mean, I didn't know if it was made up or well, or I was just not, you know, ignorant to the thing. But that's cool that Rasmus had a a, a dream that kind of confabulated yeah. those ideas together to come up with a very clever name, a very clever image, and also a song that you wrote that evokes everything we love about Diamond Head. Well, Brian, I want to thank you. I want to thank yeah. you for taking the time to indulge me. Obviously, I'm a fan of everything you guys have done. And tell Rasmus, um, I'm very grateful when I met him and talked to him. He was very generous and very kind. And I told him we talked all about Chris Cornell and everything like that. So I, I definitely yeah. hear the Chris Cornell influences on this new album. And I think that's great that he's embracing that and that you guys did a tribute to Chris Cornell in general. Uh, and yeah. you know now we've got basically you know a Soundgarden type well, not even Soundgarden just Chris Cornell because he's done so many other things I mean I love Temple of the Dog so just that whole everything yeah. he's done so so thank you very yeah. much I saw Soundgarden with Chris uh, and they were they were really good I mean it was a great band and he was such a fantastic singer so yeah I, it left a mark on me and uh, as I say with Raz but uh yeah, good. I'm glad you like the album. Thank you very much, Michael. It's, it's nice to hear some feedback. Absolutely. Some feedback. Cheers. You take care, okay? Thank you. You too. All right. Bye. Bye.